When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to WrestleWolf. I am Damien Gibson, and uh, this is our WCW Nitro Reconsideration Presents Fall Brawl 95. And to help me get through <laughs> just that intro alone is the mystery, the enigma. It's Matthew. Hello. Hey, man. How you going? I'm very excited. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so am I. I just I just finished watching this again, uh, so it's the third time in a week and a half that I've watched it. Um, just to sort of like, you know, I just wanted to have proper notes. I just, there was so much going on that I I didn't want to miss anything, you mm. know. Um, and I I don't think I've had this many notes. Like I've done a lot of podcasts about a lot of different wrestling things. I don't think I have. I think I've run out of room on my Google Keep here. Well, that's like, uh, the amount of notes that I've got on this pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's f- bodes well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we hopefully we won't run out of content. There won't be any dead air or anything. Um, so we, just for anyone, I mean, I suppose you probably already know this if you're listening to this podcast, but Matt and I have decided to go through and watch every, every Nitro um, because we're both big, well, we were big WCW fans back in the day. Um, and it just felt like it would be fun. Um, but we kind of both have sort of, um, I think, uh, underestimated how good the wrestling and, and promotion was at this time in WCW. Well, I, I can confirm that I definitely did. I, this was not what I was expecting. Uh, shall we get in, shall we get into the actual full brawl? Yeah. Yeah, so this this aired on September seventeenth, nineteen ninety five, and it was coming out of Asheville, North Carolina, which is uh, I'm not sure if you picked this up during the course of the um, pay per view map, but it's uh, Horseman Country. Um, we had uh, six thousand six hundred people in attendance, uh, and Fall Brawl was one of their. I mean, that, WCW didn't really have like a big four or anything like that, but it was definitely one of their bigger pay per views that they had each year that incorporated war games. Uh, which if you've watched an NXT TakeOver recently, 
um, Vince now owns that as well, and you you know the concept. It's essentially a double ring cage scenario, as they um, constantly call it. War War Games: The Match Beyond. Um, So this is our first look at Tony uh, Schiavone or Tony Schiavone or um, if you're you're Chris Jericho, (laughs) um, who will go on to be the main voice of Nitro eventually. But at the the moment, we've got Eric Bischoff as as the main commentator. Um, um, The first match we had was uh flying brian pillman um i really don't like that nickname well i think we're we're sort of at the end of flying brian uh yeah it feels like that we're definitely hurtling towards brian pillman yeah crazy brian pillman yeah (laughs) versus johnny b bad who is someone that i hear you know, if you listen to any of the sort of Conrad Thompson podcasts or anything along those lines, you'll hear this name come up. And it almost, he is always, from what I've heard anyway, is always a bit of a punchline. Um, I don't know what your experience is with Johnny B. Bad, but um, seeing him come out here initially, I was like, oh, God, this is like a, a low-rent macho man. Um, but this match was Really, I really enjoyed it. Like, it went for a long time. It was like a 20, 25-minute match. Um, you know, it wasn't the greatest wrestling of all, but it told a, a pretty good story. Pillman slowly sort of turning throughout this, and the crowd seemed to really love Johnny B. Bad as well. So I don't, I don't quite get that sort of um, reputation of well, his from you, watching this one match. You can kind of see uh, why the WWF, you know, picked him up. And, you know, like I was never a Mark Mero fan, but you can see here that like, it seemed like he had a lot of charisma and was serviceable in the ring. Like, you know, it probably helps going against Brian Pillman. Um, Mm, Definitely. Yeah. And still like a strong mid card talent, you know, like it it didn't, I feel like he's, he, he must've pissed off that, you know, Memphis mafia. In some way, because he just doesn't get he he just gets spoken about uh, like a joke. Mm. Um, Mark Marrow, of course, was with uh, was married to Sable, who was now uh, Brock Lesnar's wife. And uh, supposedly, the story goes that when Mark Marrow found out that Sable had cheated on him with Brock Lesnar, uh, well, cheated on him, he was like, "I want to know who it is. Tell me who it is. I'll kill him." And someone told someone told him it was Brock Lesnar, and he said he found the power of forgiveness in about three seconds. <laughs> that's I really like that wise. story. It's <laughs> one of my favorite wrestling stories. Uh, yeah, so this um, there isn't really much to say. I don't know if you've got much to add about this match. No. I mean, it was just a good, solid opening match, and like Brian Pillman's doing a lot of great character work sort of you know he's not flying very much at all at this point no. you know he's he's actively not in fact and the audience hates it and sort of is hating him because of it and it's uh yeah I think that's basically all I had to say about this one yeah fair enough um next up we had a promo uh from Rick Flair for the upcoming Arn versus Rick grudge match, brother versus brother uh, scenario. He cuts 
you know, both of these guys cut promos that are almost kind of identical, but in completely different, um, you know, characters, obviously, because they, they're very different kind of guys. But essentially it's, you know, Rick's like, we're brothers, we grew up together, we didn't have brothers and sisters because I was uh, adopted, you came from a broken home. So, um, you know, like it was just really laying on thick the family storyline about, you know, these two brothers having to go head-to-head later on. Yeah, Ric Flair remains good at promos. Oh, yeah, <laughs> most, most definitely. Um, I feel like the first sort of 45, 50 minutes of this pay-per-view, we're just sort of treading water until we get to the really ridiculous, juicy stuff. Um, the next match we had Cobra, or as we would say in Australia, Cobra, uh, versus Sergeant uh, Craig Pittman. I've never heard of these guys prior to watching this pay-per-view. I don't think we'll hear of either of them again. No. Were they, were uh, they a tag team that split or something? I seem to that seemed to be the vibe I was getting, but I just like how into the cat first of all, Craig Pittman came down from the it was propelled down from the ceiling and snuck up on uh Cobra. <laughs> Which I was like, that's so expensive for like what was a three and a half minute squash match, like just jobber match past the mm. time. And it's like WCW is so WCW in spending a bunch of money on an entrance <laughs> for someone that doesn't matter and earned no money for them. Yeah. And the other thing as well is because there was a big giant cage suspended from the roof as well that... uh I was paying attention to the crowd as he was coming down because the the TV cameras were paying attention to him because they had but they knew he was coming down from the roof, right? But it wasn't really until he got to about two meters off the ground that the audience realized that someone had just rappelled down from the roof. You know what I mean? So not only had they spent all this money on it, but it just didn't really it just didn't get a pop because no one yeah. saw it until. <laughs> <laughs> you know, by the time he'd hit the ground, people were like, did he just rappel down from the roof? You know, like, <laughs> just <laughs> sorry, man, you go. No, 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 you go. Oh, it's just because it's just, I agree with you that it's just beautiful WCW wastage of like, yeah, let's do all of this at the same time. And it was just like two blokes in uh, military garb uh, sorting out a problem as all military problems are resolved in the wrestling ring. <laughs> In the ring, yeah, you know the, you know how we, you know how we sort our problems here at the American Marines in the ring, and then you uh, know like the fact that they're like, has he sent someone else from his platoon, like the commentators, and you're like, this is buying into the fact that these two people have just rocked up for and they're active servicemen and have commands, <laughs> and you know. Yeah. It, it had a touch of the Sergeant Slaughter G.I. Joes about it. Like, are these guys G.I. Joe characters or are they wrestlers or, like, what is going on? Is there a whole other, like, WCW Soldier Man universe that we're not aware of? Like, if you hadn't been watching the TV prior to this, which we haven't, we've only watched mm. two episodes of Nitro, there's no backstory. And the commentator, like, Brain and, and Tony don't give us anything no. You know, like there's no backstory. They're too busy talking about Dungeon of Doom and the Hulkamaniacs as they are pretty much throughout the whole pay-per-view. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued about who who's Cobra and like what 
who are these guys? You know what I mean? Like, what is their story? And and I know that I'll probably never see them ever again, and it'll haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, I can't wait any longer. I need to talk, but I need to talk about the next segment, <laughs> which is <laughs> Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, who has lost a match to – we do get told that he's lost a match to Macho Man Randy Savage uh, – do you know what show it was on? Because it wasn't on Nitro, so it must it have been Saturday, a Saturday night. night. Yeah, Saturday night show. Yeah, which is called Saturday night. Um, and he has lost all confidence. And uh, <laughs> this promo. So Gary Spivey uh, comes in to. Uh, well, he he had a vision that that Paul Orndorff had, had lost his wonderfulness <laughs> and uh, wanted to speak to him about it. And I knew it was Gary Spivey. You know how I knew, Matt? Because Paul Orndorff says his name about 117 times uh, when he walks into the but he <laughs> walks into the dressing room just to really nail it down that we've got a celebrity. But he doesn't just say his name. He says, Gary Spivey of the Psychic Companion Network? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the second time. He really doubles down. Is it Gary Spivey? Gary Spivey of the Psychic TV Network, uh, 7.30s <laughs> on Sunday evenings right here on TNT. <laughs> it's This is amazing. This promo, dude, goes for four minutes and ten seconds. <laughs> and not a minute wasted, not a second wasted. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. So if you haven't watched the pay-per-view, Gary Spivey is a, well, he's a, a clairvoyant, I suppose, a TV psychic, uh, you know, like, a, oh, I'm getting a vision, I'm getting a vision. Your mum's name was Susan. It was Michelle. Michelle. It was Michelle. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. And um, he is wearing, how would you describe his hair? It's, it's, a, it's an outrageous uh, sort of foam wig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know him because he was in the 7-Eleven ads for Skittles-flavoured Slurpees in Australia, which seems like such an enormous waste because no one in Australia knows who Gary Spivey is and 7-Eleven Australia have paid a bunch of money to bring him out, Uh, much much like WCW did. (laughs) 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 And he, you know, it's I guess it's just like... If you've done anything, at some point you will get to advertise a product. Yeah, well, he, he, his hair. I can't. I could not. For the first two minutes, I was just looking at this sort of angelic steel wall that he had on his head. <laughs> that's a that's a and, nice way to put it. And uh, yeah, it is a bit nice, isn't it? But he seems like a nice guy. Like he's sort of saying very new age things of like, you will find yourself again. There's a good person in you, Paul. I know there is. You are wonderful. And I'm kind of like, this guy's all right. Like, I don't <laughs> I mean, look, I don't mind look I don't he, mind he made a fortune off the, the uh, exploiting the grief and suffering of, of other people. But he, he does seem positive. So... <laughs> In this promo, he seems like a decent guy. You know, like he's just popped in to say hi. Um, He had a vision that Paul wasn't doing very well. He just wanted to make sure that he got his wonderfulness back, Um, which he does in a very short turnaround. Paul goes from the first sort of 40 seconds of this promo is Paul literally smashing up his dressing room and, uh, you know, having a a nervous breakdown. Being more interesting than he is going to be 
in the time he has left in his career. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Spivey shows up and, and does an amazing job in about two minutes of restoring his confidence, so much so that the last 40 seconds of the promo, uh, Mr. Wonderful literally spends staring at himself in the mirror, kissing himself. He starts sort of like... Uh, <laughs> like Adam's family style, how uh, Gomez used to do to Morticia. He starts at his wrist, moves up to his bicep, and then gives himself a big old smooch in the mirror. And that's the end of the promo. Thank goodness for that. The, no, this is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. I can't. All I'm saying is if they had have kept going. that if they had have kept that camera in there, like I I'm not sure it was ending on the kissing in the mirror. Uh, I think for the sanctity of the program, it needed to go to the go to, to move on. Mm, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're a hundred percent correct. Um, yeah, he he was looking at himself like he had taken all the MDMA in the world, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and given it's WCW, he just might have. Oh, yeah, man. We'll get to a promo later on in this where I think there was a whole bunch of uh, <laughs> uh, excitement powder that had been uh, taken beforehand. Uh, next up we had, um, I haven't written down their full name, Buck and Slater is basically what I've written down. I don't think we need to really worry about these characters because we're not going to have to deal with them much. I, um, I, am abs- I have a lot to say about this. This is Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater. There we go. Thanks, man. I knew you'd have my back Um, (laughs) versus Harlem Heat. And I just want to point out quickly before you get into what you've got there, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan kept calling Harlem Heat, uh, which is Booker T and Stevie Ray, um, two legends of wrestling. They're probably not at this stage, but still uh, Harlem Heat's. (laughs) <laughs> so he was. He did not. I don't think he called either of them uh, Booker or Stevie by their name at any point. It was just like, oh, there's a good attempted pin there by a Harlem Heat. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, no. <laughs> to be to be fair um, to to Bobby, he was phoning it in pretty hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I would if uh, if he wasn't so lackadaisical about everything, then I would accuse him of racism. But I don't think that's what this is. I think this is him just not giving a shit. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much right. Um, yeah. So this this match doesn't have a lot. It does have a lot of side stories and you know irrelevant things going on, but. This is 1995, and Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater won the Wrestling Observer's Award for the worst tag team of the year that year. <laughs> Good. They absolutely should. And I've only seen them in one match. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I agree. I, that's Dave, right? That's Uncle that's Dave. That's Dave, Nelson. yeah. Um, yeah, he's right. When he's right, he's goddamn right. Uh, also, uh, I just wanted to point out that uh, Buck was wearing a belt and braces. Um <laughs> So that's just something that really annoyed me throughout the whole of this match. I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a belt and braces? That's really annoying. It's just extra support. I fell into like a real Wikipedia <laughs> hole with Bunkhouse Buck. So yeah. his his real name is Jimmy Golden, which is significantly better as a wrestling name than Bunkhouse Buck. 100%. Um, no doubt. He uh, once played Jack Swagger Senior's father. Well, Jack Swagger Senior. In an episode of SmackDown, oh. <laughs> um, 
And in two, in 2011, when, when he was, when Bunkhouse Buck was 61 years old, mm-hmm. he won the Tennessee Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. God, it's, I, I really find that depressing when guys are still wrestling in these, in their 60s and 70s, man. I just, <laughs> well, I, I always thought, I just couldn't believe that they would uh, ruin the integrity of Tennessee Mountain Wrestling. Uh, <laughs> yeah that was a dark day that was a dark day for tennessee mountain wrestling it's the david Uh, arquette moment of (laughs) i like david arquette um but of course i do he's you know it's what's the most ridiculous thing in wrestling david arquette does damien like it yes he does well we're talking Uh, about that in about five years uh listeners so that's a bit of force tizzle Oh, I thought you meant David Arquette now. No, I don't like Dave, WCW. Yeah, anyway, we'll get we'll get to that in about yeah five to six years. Um, there's also a side story going on here between Sensational Sherry and uh, Colonel Parker, um, where Sensational Sherry had hit hit her head in an earlier episode of Saturday Night, and when she'd come to, she was in love with Colonel Parker, um, and so that is essentially what this whole match centers around to the point where when they they sort of do this weird again almost adam's family like gomez and morticia's type sort of like dancing wooing each other from across the other ring um and then they like they properly they, there's only one way to describe this they pash they, it's they a very, really go for it it's like that's a, a very australian way of <laughs> describing this but they like they pash hard, Matt. <laughs> I, I haven't seen pashing that hard since high school. It, it is worth mentioning, as you sort of did, this is like the, the main event has the two rings, but the two rings are just set up the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And like it's kind of, there's just an empty wrestling ring. Yeah, and it doesn't get used until the main event at all, really. No. It's just yeah. sort of like, it's just sort of there, but like always within shot. Like it's... yeah. An exceptionally strange visual, visual, yeah, visual. If you if you didn't know what was going on, you just why are there two rings here? Oh, this is confusing. I'm you know Gary Spivey's gone. I'm turning this off. (laughs) Um, So they they start making out, and then while the camera is on them pashing hard, the Harlem Heat win the tag team titles. And that's just secondary to this <laughs> Colonel Parker and, and Sensational Sherry like uh, storyline. Well, no, none of those four people are ever gonna, you know, make it out of you know the sort of third match on a stacked card tag team. So why bother, you know, having footage of Booker T winning the tag team titles for the first time? Yeah, it's not like he'll be an important part of WCW's future going forward. So yeah. Um, then after this, there's a lot of this going on in this pay-per-view, like doubling down and having like two promos when there should have been one or, you know, or in the main events uh, case, we have four uh, before we even get to the match. But we'll get to that in a second. So then Mean Gene calls Colonel Parker over and then they basically just call him uh, a disgusting pig man for making out with Sherry. Mean Gene's like... Look at you! You're disgusting. You've got lipstick all over your face, and ah, oh, you're a mess of a man. And then Colonel Parker basically professes his love for Sherry, and then that's it. 
it's I like that that's where WCW draw the line. Like they've just had sort of what is wink wink nod nod a racist colonel and his his uh, country hicks uh, wrestle two black men from Harlem. Mm. Uh, and he, they're like, you shouldn't have kissed that woman who wanted to kiss you, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. But he did. He doesn't care. He's in love, man. His heart is soaring like an eagle. And I'm actually, sure it's going to work out well. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's wrestling. What could go wrong? <laughs> when I, wrestling, kayfabe relationships always work out well. Mm, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> uh next up we have another arm uh well, another promo for well, I think we I think we've mate. skipped uh I think we missed DDP versus Renegade. Oh shit, we did. Um and, and do this, you have some things that you want to say about uh, <laughs> this match? Not really, other than DDP has literally every gimmick. He's got a cigar sunglasses, <laughs> the diamond doll, a pink diamond on his chest, and a bodyguard called Max Muscle. Despite the fact that he's about like seven foot and jacked, DDP needs a bodyguard for some reason. Yeah, the, he it's very it's very busy, uh, and uh, the Diamond Doll is Kimberly, who is his <laughs> wife, who will go on to be the captain of the Nitro Girls, I suppose, <laughs> probably the way you would describe it. Um, yeah, so I just. Um, I completely forgot that I completely forgot to write notes down for that episode. And, I think that's a, that's uh, about all we need to say. Uh, the Renegade not very good in the ring. No, uh, it, it it's um, laughable how much the Renegade is the Ultimate Warrior. It's it's like I, I my only note for for him was it's remarkable uh, that they got away with with this character. <laughs> Um, yeah, we talked. We talked earlier in the week, uh, or sorry, it would, it would be like a week or so ago now, um, about uh, Sasha and Bailey doing some gimmick infringement. Uh, this is proper gimmick infringement. Like, yeah, this it, is not good. It's <laughs> it is so the ultimate warrior. It's not funny, and so bad. Uh, next up, we we were getting. Well, we're up to the Ann Anderson versus Ric Flair match. Uh, Arn cuts a promo beforehand, and I, ultimately, I just want to point this out because one, Arn looks great. Um, I really like Arn Anderson. The older I get, the more I like Arn. Um, he's spectacular. He's a spectacular promo as well, and uh, he's wearing this sick silk bomber jacket. Um, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's mainly what I wanted to bring up, and I am going to spend most of my time trying to find one. Um, and uh, yeah, he looks like Ryan Gosling from Drive. So. He does. That's a that's a great reference. Um, I think <laughs> this is also this might be the first televised uh, pro wrestling appearance of Charlotte Flair. Mm. She just popped I missed up that. with uh, Rick's got you know all his children there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's just yeah. a, there's a little blonde girl who I'm assuming is Charlotte. That would be Charlotte. Yeah, David Flair's there, and um, I can't remember the other Flair's name. Raid. That's it. Um, yeah. So this is all about family and, you know, um, and then we have the, it's on, it's the Arn Anderson, Ric Flair match. Um, this match goes for quite a while. I mean, I think it's close to half an hour the match goes for. They, like, they, um, did, they did an exceptional thing in, in sort of just as it was getting started, 
they cut to all the wrestlers coming out, like sort of like going yeah, to take seats. That was really cool. Which made it seem so important because it's like the guys want to see this match. Like this is the match for the wrestlers. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say. It feels like this match probably should have been the headliner, you know, with the importance of, you know, mm. the history of these guys and the importance of them to WCW. But we'll see more and more that that means nout uh, to the people who are running this company <laughs> uh, and uh, that it's it's all about them, baby. Um, but, yeah, I really I thought that kind of evened it out a little bit to, to have pretty much the locker room and, and all the managers mm. and everyone coming out to watch this match. It's like, oh, no, this is just – it's a double headliner is essentially mm. how they managed to paint that. that. That's really good booking. And I um, I don't – think i've seen too much of that i mean that's a really basic thing that you could do it would have um, worked really well for like a gargano champa uh blow off where it's just a blood feud and it's like the wrestlers are keen to see it everyone wants to see how it's gonna how this is gonna actually end yeah exactly but i don't i don't know if that's been done much but anyway no i don't think so uh, the way that uh, WWE are recycling gimmicks at the moment, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> um, so this, uh, you know, what can you say about Arn Anderson and Ric Flair in a match? I mean, Rick's kind of doing heelish type stuff. He's going out, he's going to the outside quite a bit. Um, he's using the ropes with uh, when he's trying to, to get a pinfall. Um, you know, there's a low blow. But ultimately there's some just really good mat wrestling they uh arns the enforcer so there's a lot of sort of fists and um the one thing with these guys is that when they when they do throw punches and stuff they really do look like they land i yeah. know those sort of old school guys like pride themselves on that um and that's why these matches tell such a good story i think because it feels real you know hmm. and i think uh there's not a whole like we're not you know wrestling move by move analysts uh but it's worth sort of saying that in this uh this is when when jim Cornette or guys like that the old school guys talk about you know real wrestling and you know crack the shits at the young bucks and things like that this match is what they're talking about like this is real wrestling yeah it is but it doesn't mean that there isn't a place on planet earth for both no, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't have to be one or the other. They can be both. Mm. Um, so towards the end of the match, um, Rick gets a figure four, a figure four lock on. Uh, Arn reverses that. Um, they separate, and then Brian Pillman arrives, um, sort of distracts Rick. Um, he seems to be sort of saying, like, stop this you know, like stop fighting kind of thing. Mm. Like I don't like it when mummy and daddy fight. <laughs> um, Rick sort of turns, he's, you know, tells him to piss off. Pillman throws a punch at Rick. Rick punches him back and then Pillman does a sort of like a, I don't know, like a super kick over the top rope kind of thing to the back of Rick's head um, that allows Arn to get a DDT and Arn wins, which I didn't what? think was going to happen. I, no. didn't think, I didn't think Rick would put Arn over. However, I'm pretty excited to see if they give Ric Flair and Brian Pillman 30 minutes, that's going to be a pretty good match. Oh, but yeah, most definitely. Um, 
Yeah, and it, that's kind of it. Like it's, it's fairly clean. I mean, obviously Pillman gets involved, but there's no shenanigans afterwards, which there usually is in WCW matches. So um, I can imagine if I was watching this at the time and I it, this match had been built up so much, Pillman getting involved may have annoyed me a little bit. It's mm. a little bit of a, a screwy finish. Um, but it was still a pretty good match before that. So, And it sets up a story going forward. Yeah, I don't think this is the end of the story. Um, and then, so we actually have got to the main event of this pretty quickly. Um, the the pay per view goes for about two hours and forty minutes, and almost uh, an hour of that is this. Um, <laughs> is this main event? We have four separate promos before we even get to the guys <laughs> entering the arena. Uh, the first <laughs> the first one is a vignette where. The ta- uh, Taskmaster cuts a promo that, that's bizarre and amazing. Um, and my favourite part of that is, we got, you a, we got you a bunch of posies. They're dead. <laughs> and then he starts picking the petals off and he's like, we love you not. Actually, we hate your guts. And it's yeah, like, we hate your guts. it's got some real My Chemical <laughs> Romance vibes about it. <laughs> like, you know, when like 16 year olds started being like hardcore, but not hardcore like hardcore used to be. Sort of like gen- <laughs> gentle and friendly and safe. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It's not like I started listening to that music at the age of 26. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so then we, so we had that promo, right? Just sort of setting the scene of how fucking insane the Taskmaster is. Uh, then we see footage of the giant running over Hulk, uh, the Hulkster's uh, Harley Davidson that he got from a shop in California. That, Orange County uh, Harley Davidson, given in t- to him by the fans from Orange <laughs> County Harley Davidson. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to miss that seeing it was mentioned 17,000 times. <laughs> and just just another example of Hulk payola uh, or Hulkola, as I think I'll call it going forward. Um <laughs> And, uh, man, look, we both know that this is leading to some of our favourite moments in WCW uh, involving Mm. monster trucks, but uh, seeing the big show uh, like Reuben Kincaid from the Partridge family hanging out at this (laughs) monster truck uh, and, you know, like a crowd dispersing, uh, it was like something... The, the production quality was like something out of Texas Walker Rangers uh, or Walker Texas Rangers, sorry. And, um, yeah, it's just another little caveat to the story that, like, I don't know whether it's masterful storytelling or splatter gun. <laughs> the fact that the, storytelling. The, the giant runs over the bike, then very carefully, like, looks out the window and slowly backs over it again. It's like... <laughs> You've just run over that small motorcycle with a monster truck. It's dead. Yeah, like, it's a dead motorbike, man. <laughs> it's, it's not more evil to back back over it. Like, it's just. Yeah. Then we get a third promo, all, this time all about the Hulkster uh, and the Hulkamaniacs. Um, and, uh, you know, basically that they're like American made and uh, that the Taskmaster's got in his head and all this kind of thing. Um, and then the second half of this promo looks like it was filmed at Warner Brothers uh, of Movie World on the Gold Coast. Oh, hold on. It, that, <laughs> that first half of that promo opens with Mean Gene uh, referencing, saying he, he says 
this is like the Normandy invasion of 1945. <laughs> and, and then Hulk Hogan just starts going completely bonkers and says that his team have been drinking gallons of Agent Orange. I looked up uh, what yeah. the, what the like what happens when you get a what, what Agent Orange does, and some of the side effects are heart disease, lung and trachea cancers, prostate cancer, multiple myeloma, Hodgkin's disease, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Parkinson's disease, type two di- diabetes, and peripheral neuropathy or neuropathy. Mm. So I reckon they Why? haven't been, <laughs> <laughs> and if they have, like. That doesn't make you stronger. Uh, I love how literal you are at times. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, under what circumstances would that, like you're saying we're so tough we did this thing, but like they would be so, so physically incapacitated if they drank Agent Orange. It's like we've just done a shit ton of meth and now we're coming to the ring, <laughs> which really was Raven's gimmick to be fair. <laughs> um, well that you've done a much better job of, of anything i've got in my notes for summing up this uh promo i just uh what i do love is that the hulk the hulkster won't let this promo go like a lovesick boyfriend on the phone to a oh. girlfriend who's overseas he just won't hang up he won't put the button on the promo he grabs the microphone like three times from mean gene and and doesn't have anything extra to say. <laughs> I just loved it. Uh, then we finally cut to the arena. So all of that, those no, four different- the the movie world thing was also insane because it was just them running around like bases and things exploding. Like it's like <laughs> yeah. you idiots realize you're training for a wrestling match. Like you're going to be so <laughs> underprepared. <laughs> Yeah, but like if the if the Taskmaster shows up with a stunt show, then <laughs> they'll be fine. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, man. They've obviously just had like quite a lot of cocaine and yeah. seen the word war and been like, all right, this is just uh, like the Normandy invasion. You don't see it until later on, but I just want to point out that all the guys, the Hulkamaniacs, um, like what? What a huge ego this guy has to like call his team the Hulkamaniacs when his team consists of Macho Man Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger. Now, Lex Luger, hmm, but Sting and Macho Man Randy Savage, two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. No, no, you guys are Hulkamaniacs. Okay, <laughs> right, you're on my team. Uh, he, they're all wearing like camouflage uh, face paint. Um, and uh, I loved how the, the Hulkster also had it on his bald spot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's camouflage, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, where his bald spot was, I couldn't, I couldn't tell it was exactly. whether it was there or not. <laughs> um, yeah, so then we finally get out into the ring. So that's 15 minutes we've sat through that, waiting for this match to actually happen. And, and because it, we're watching this on the WWE Network, what I noticed, I'm like, this match is like quite a complex set of rules. And we've got about 10 minutes of, of uh, airtime left to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So they explain the rules. The rules are every, oh, God, I'm going to get this so wrong. But essentially we start off with two competitors and then because of a toying, a toying cost, a coin toss, uh, 
that determines who gets the first wrestler in after two minutes. It's and surely I, I can't say this because I I haven't watched them all, but this only works in the scenario that the heels uh, get the advantage. Like you can't really do yeah. this where like the faces come in and have the the two on one advantage because it just doesn't work. Yes, yeah, you're right. But the the biggest sort of outlier of of this match, or you know, um, dominating factor of this match is that Hulk's in it, and so the whole story has to revolve around the Hulkster coming in last. So it doesn't really matter what goes on before that. The Hulkster has to yes. come in last and clear house. Um, and that's essentially exactly what happens. You have a fairly good War Games match. Um, there's a little bit of dissent between Macho and Lex sort of happening. Uh, there's a few sort of misunderstandings. Uh, they sort of lock up and Sting's trying to separate them at one point. Uh, then Ming comes in and looks like a, a bad MF where he starts just sort of clearing house with those guys. Uh, and then Hulk comes in and starts, according to Bobby the Brain Heaton, throwing napalm in people's faces. <laughs> the, Zodiac is Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Uh, yes. And Zodiac has, all I could think about during this match is he has these tassels on his arms and his legs mm. that are so long that it's just massively impractical. Like you could just like it, it just it doesn't make sense. He's always grabbable, always like movable and pullable. Uh, he should rethink that if he wants to. <laughs> if he wants a career, that's all I'm saying. Believability, I, Zodiac. I can't believe I'm saying that. Like, what what I what I love about Zodiac, especially when he gets uh, you know, his entrance is. Uh, coming to the ring is Zodiac, the man from Yin and Yang. What does that mean? It's just like, it's just, they've just grabbed sort of random new age sort of Eastern philosophy words that they kind of know, but they don't really know what they mean. And they've just put it together, made a character that looks like Mr. Bad from E Street. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a very old Australian reference. There's going to be like three people who get that. Um, but I kind of, there's something that I like about it. It's so bad. I want to see, he's also got like a kind of um, undercut situation happening, but then like at the front of his fringe, he's got like a sort of uh, Astro Boy kind of like fin so at I, the front. Well. I sort of took, I, I thought initially that, they were referencing the Zodiac Killer until oh. they went from the yin, from the yin yang thing, and I'm like, why wouldn't you reference the Zodiac Killer? Why would you make it about the actual yeah. Zodiac? Everyone's greatest nightmare, the Pisces. Well, as you can see with uh, the commentary on uh, NXT at the moment, um, if you if you reference a serial killer, supposedly as far as wrestling fans are concerned, that wrestler then has to murder people for their gimmick to work so i mean um, these people yeah. live in a in an underground cave together uh, <laughs> doing acts of evil for no particular reason so because yeah. they're evil 
They're right. Well, I mean, that's that's a that is a reason. Being evil is a reason to do evil. That's <laughs> you know, it was good enough for Skeletor. It's good enough for the Dungeon of Doom. Um, man, my references are so forty year old man today. Uh, so Hulkster comes in. He's throwing napalm around. Uh, the one thing I didn't sort of realize with War Games matches is that he chokes out Zodiac, uh, our man Zodiac. And uh, I'm going to speak on behalf of you as well. He's our man. And, uh, <laughs> and um, that's it. That's the end of the match. So it's just you've just got to you've just got to submit one other person from the other team. Is that right? Uh, apparently, and then yeah. and the and his his gift for this uh, his special prize is not only winning beating the people that he's beat up for the last two episodes episodes of Nitro. Uh, he hmm. gets five minutes alone in the ring with Kevin Sullivan, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I I I did love this. Um, it, it made no sense whatsoever. There was kind of like a shitty video game element to this. It was like if you're you know the playable character is Hulk Hogan, um, and you know you you knock off the Dungeon of Doom, and then like you get to fight the big boss, uh, which is Kevin Sullivan. Uh, but of course, look, the Taskmaster doesn't have you know, he's always got a card up his sleeve, an evil card up his sleeve. Uh, and the giant comes down to the ring, smashes his way into the cage, uh, and then basically chokes out Hulk Hogan. Why wouldn't he have put the giant in the match? Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, really? Like, if if the giant is indestructible and, you know, bigger than Hulk Hogan, why would you be like, you know what, instead let's have a... Uh... Let's have these useless guys go in. Let's see if Brutus the Barber Beefcake, if they, if this is his day. Hmm. Yeah, it would be like having the uh, Canadian Avengers assemble, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but you also had the Hulk there as well, but you were like, uh, Canadian Avengers, Mr. Canada, Wolverine, and two other guys, you go and sort this out. And if you all die, then we'll send the Hulk in. <laughs> That's essentially... What this what this plan of attack was? Uh, I, I just love when Kel- Kevin Sullivan tries to leave before he gets in the ring with Hulk Hogan, and they're like, "It's now it's like ridiculous and comical that like they just get the development guys in security uniforms, and there's you know fifty security <laughs> guards holding one person back. This security yeah. guard, first of all, it, he he starts walking up the the lane, and an elderly man steps out and is like, "No, no, no you know, I'm security. You've got to go back." And Kevin Sullivan doesn't like to do anything. He's like, I respect the office, but I need to leave. And then this really skinny like guy comes out in a security teacher and he's like, no, no, you've really got to go back. And it's like, why Why is anyone scared of Kevin Sullivan? Yeah, there's just no fear towards him whatsoever to the point where the, the ref comes down and like manhandles Kevin Sullivan. Like he's like literally aggressive and gets in his face. It's like, you've got to get back in that ring right now. Uh, thankfully, Sting comes along and grabs him and throws him back into the cage and it makes mm. a bit more sense. But I, I actually wrote that down in my notes as well. It's like, how lame is this security detail that is <laughs> forcing Kevin Sullivan back to the cage? Um, and we basically we finish the pay per view with Tony Schiavone being very apologetic to leave. You know, he doesn't want to leave fans on this scene of Hulk Hogan, um, you know, being uh, consoled by the Hulkamaniacs and paramedics on the way. But uh, they've got to go, even though it's a pay per view, and they pretty much dictate how long pay per views go for. They had to go at that exact moment. Mm. If only that uh, 
that commitment to time would have lasted throughout WCW. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and then, so that's that's it. That leads us to to episode three of Nitro. What an exceptionally strange because it's like it's like Nitro clearly is doing all these really odd, different things to be like to really stand out, but this really still feels a bit. It it, it doesn't have the same vibrancy that Nitro had. It had some weird shit, but like, mm. you know, I guess we just haven't had long enough to build up the matches. And I assume the next pay-per-view yeah. will be uh better. Yeah, it's still, you know, uh there's only 6,000 people in the arena. I mean, I say only 6,000 people, but you know, it's a smaller arena. It does have it still kind of has a 80s carny vibe to it you know Mm. compared to like sort of a big entertainment spectacular which we'll sort of get to in like a year year and a half's time um and and things like as much as i loved every second of the gary spivey paul orndoff spot spot it's weird to have promos like that on a pay-per-view um i mean i suppose it starts a story kind of thing for people to tune into the tv product but um it also feels very amateurish you know (laughs) so there's a lot of that going on even the ending of the the main pay-per-view where there's sort of it feel i kind of felt like i was watching kids play fighting or like playing you know because it felt like there were like five different endings you know like this was hulk's ending and this was kevin sullivan's ending and this was eric bischoff's ending and you know what i mean (laughs) you know what i mean like it, it wasn't a sort of I mean, I suppose in the end you got a definitive ending, but it just didn't feel, from a storytelling point of view, it felt a bit sort of sloppy, as yeah. Taz would say. Yeah. But I'm excited to um, get back to, to Nitro. Yeah, me too, man. Um, and that, this was be, fun. This was, I enjoyed it. Like, this was a good pay-per-view. But we're going to put yeah. these out on Sundays, aren't we? So tomorrow yes. we'll have the next Nitro, much like it would be. If you were watching 100%, man. 100%. That's how committed we are to making you guys feel like it's 1995 because fuck knows, I don't want to be living in 2020 anymore. <laughs> well, given, given you've referenced, you know, E Street, uh, there, there's been a few 1995 rest references. I'm feeling very nostalgic at the moment. Um, and with each passing day of this year, I'm feeling more and more nostalgic. I'm just going to, uh, in my solitude up here in the northern suburbs of melbourne i'm gonna you know regress totally to just being like a 15 year old wearing a pearl jam t-shirt uh you know i'll get a skateboard again (laughs) uh, Um, being upset that kurt cobain's dead yeah god that just really that just really hit me though man you know what i mean like it just because he feels like our john lennon you know what i mean and, I mean, uh, I, I do love yeah. Kurt Cobain. I'm going to be honest. I love Me too. Me. But I'm, I remember having conversations like this at parties about it <laughs> um, and boring the shit out of whoever the hell I was talking to at the time. Speaking of boring the shit out of people, I'm going to shut up and uh, end the podcast here. <laughs> um, people are really getting into this WCW stuff though, man, and um, we're getting more listeners to this all the time. So if you're enjoying it, uh, we, as much as we are, 
you know, tell your friends about it. Share it on socials. Uh, we're WrestleWolf Pod on all the socials. We're WrestleWolf Podcast at Gmail. If you want to email us and, and bring up a particular thing that you that we've missed, um, or you just I don't know, you just want to talk about WCW. I'll talk to anyone about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, rate and review it. That helps with the algorithms. And um, yeah, we'll be back with Nitro tomorrow. Bye.